Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Now about food sacrificed to idols. We know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not know yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods, uh, lowercase g, and many lords, lowercase l, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things come, and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came, and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat, and no better if we do. Be careful. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Lord, as we continue to walk through hard teachings, I pray that you would make the path easy, that we would recognize those areas in our life that need to change, that more now than ever we are called to a faithful walk. We recognize the journey is an uphill journey. We also recognize that you are our father, our king, our leader. And so, Lord, we walk into this Christian faith walk, not alone, but with you beside us. And we recognize, Lord, we couldn't do it on our own. We've tried that doesn't work very well. 
We need you. And so, Lord, I ask that you'd open us up today to hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <laughs> yeah, he likes that shortcut. That's a good sound. I don't know what you guys think, but I think that's a good sound. Whoa, we're in the middle. How did we do that? Can you get me back to the beginning, Ike? I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> Is this when you say, doink? <laughs> that's okay. If that's where it is, that's where it's, where it's at. I don't, I don't, oh, there we go. Oh, maybe you can, well, we're, that's all right. So you don't even know. There's a blank one. That's where we begin today, all right? We begin with a blank screen because the guy in charge who told you he would put the scripture up there for the next week, every week, he's awful. And he already forgot. One week in, he forgot. There we go. Thank you, sir. I was going to tell a great story and make up a great line, and now i got to be honest. Thanks, Ike. <laughs> the scripture for next week is Romans 14, 1 through 12. Romans 14, 1 through 12. I'm giving you a heads up if you're... Uh, I've had multiple calls from those uh, who are online who are like, I can't see the bulletin. <laughs> great point. I can't see the bulletin either if I was online. Uh, and so we'll, we'll be announcing that every week. Uh, Romans 14, 1 through 12. That will be installment number four of Hard Teachings. Today is installment number three of Hard Teachings. And there have been some challenging scriptures, and I hope, I hope they've made you think. I hope you're reading them and, and spending some time um, thinking about what God is saying to us in these passages. So before, I, I love to start here because I think this is an important part. So what did you hear this week in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13? And if you don't respond, then I'll have to call you up. No. <laughs> What'd you hear? Love. Love edifies. Thank you. What'd you hear? Don't judge. Okay. Did anybody hear it's not about uh, steak dinner? Did anybody hear that? Because it seems like it's all about steak dinner, does it not? Anything else? What'd you hear? Consider your brother. What's all? Oh, all food is clean because Christ made it clean. Okay. Anything else? Don't be it. Thank you, Donnie. I was waiting for that. That was one of the ones. I told Donnie, if anyone says it, no. <laughs> Pretend like you read it. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. <laughs> Don't be a stumbling block, right? That's, if you read this passage, this is, that's where we're headed, right? That's, that, when someone's going to use this passage against you, 
or make you or challenge you. That's what this is about, right? Don't be a stumbling block to who? Who are we not going to be a stumbling block to? Our brother, right? Someone maybe whose conscience is in a different spot than ours, right? As we expanded just a little bit. Someone who has a different understanding of something than we have, right? It, at the end of the day, it really has very little to, be, to do with meat, right? And it has very little to do with idols. It's really about what? This is the third week in a row, and I'll tell you, I had this epiphany on like Monday as I went back and looked at each scripture, and I challenge you to do this, to go back and look at each scripture that we've looked at so far, there is one overarching idea in each week. And I did not set that up. It was not the plan. I didn't like, oh, gee, I'll just surprise this secret thing on them. Not at all. There's one overarching idea in all the scriptures so far. Does anybody know? What's that? Unity, Okay. It's not about you, yeah, exactly. And the most important one in mind, let love lead this. This is not about what we know or what we can do or what we don't do. It's about love. It's about letting love lead your decisions and guide your plans and allowing God to work through you through love. And we see this in the very first part of the scripture, right? Knowledge puffs up. What does love do? It builds up. Very distinct in my mind. See, we live in a world that's loaded with knowledge, do we not? It is at our fingertips. If we want to know how many people um, live in the United States, it would take you guys probably about three, four seconds to find that out, right? If we want to know how many people have gotten sick in the last week or got the flu or whatever it is, it's, it's at our fingertips, Right? We have so much knowledge, probably some ways to our detriment, right? Because everybody knows everything. We're all know-it-alls, right? I can remember, and, and just so you know, we're not that far removed from, uh, we, we don't even think about not having these, but we're not that far removed. I can remember when my kids, now I'm, I am going to date myself, my oldest is 30, so I can remember when the encyclopedia salesman came to our house. Yeah. Now, you, that sounds ridiculous, right? But the encyclopedia salesman came to our house to sell us a, list, a, a whole pile of Britannica encyclopedias for t- 30 years ago, 1200 bucks. Do you remember that? No, you want me to tell you the rest of the story? It's a good story. <laughs> Am I allowed to tell the story? I got to ask permission. <laughs> I'm not sure I can tell you, Brian. I, I, I might have to tell you afterwards. Am I allowed to tell a story? Okay. I'll still be married. We'll be okay. My anniversary's coming. I'll probably have to buy an extra dozen roses, but it's worth it. <laughs> so the encyclopedia salesman comes to our house, right? Because he's going to sell us knowledge, right? And we have, uh, I think we have, I think Hannah was probably about a little over a year. Dan was just a baby. So there's two. But you know, when you have new kids, you're like, your hope is that your kids are all going to be geniuses, right? They're all going to be rocket scientists when you, when you, the time you figure out that they all turned 18 and they uh, survived and uh, didn't go to jail. That, was our, that became our, 
No. <laughs> that, became our, that became my motto. If they're not in jail, we did well, you know? But when they're little, they're, you know, you're just like, they're all going to be rocket scientists. And if we start at like one and we put the encyclopedia in the crib, it's going to be all good, right? They'll learn and they'll grow. And this guy's selling us, you know, this guy could sell ice cubes to Eskimos, you know, he was good. And he's telling my wife, you know, if you, know, if you want your kids to get a good start and, you know, literally we're like in our early 20s, just so you know, kind of put things together. And so we're going through this and he's like, yeah, and it's $1,200, and I'm like, we barely made the groceries last week because we're like, this is our first year and a half or two years of marriage. And I'm thinking, that'll be the last day. And we are not buying those stinking Encyclopedia Britannicas, right? And I, have to, and I have to break that to my wife in the midst of this guy being there. And we're young. And, and I felt like at that moment I broke her heart. And she literally starts to cry. And the tears are just running down her face. Because in her mind, that's the only way we're going to get our Not the only way, but that is like the head start we're going to get our kids to be rocket scientists, right? And I'm more of a realist, and I'm like, I, I could show you the checkbook. It'll be 12 years before we could pay that off. And so I have to finally say, no, we can't do this. And she is literally crushed, crushed at that moment that we couldn't buy the Britannica. And I look back now and I'm like, ha ha, guy, we didn't buy your Britannicas. Now we have a Google phone, you know. I'll show you. <laughs> but Apple's in, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but at that moment, it was like, oh, the world was ending because our kids, and you know, we look back, it's, it ends up being paper. But, uh, but what a funny story of our, our younger days. And we are loaded with, so much knowledge in this world we live. If you want to find out something, it's literally at your fingertips, right? And in some ways, I think it's been a detriment to the world we live in uh, because we all want this information. Now, I don't know how Paul would have written this had he lived today and wrote this, but um, obviously there was some kind of situation where, where people uh, knew all there was to know about animal or a sacrifice to idols and there's obviously was some challenges in that day and what Paul's saying is listen it's either going to be knowledge or love one of them will lead knowledge puffs up love builds up when you're dealing with Christian brothers and sisters in the faith are you going to let knowledge puff you up and I think it's great that he uses the word puff you up right because that's what we do yeah, I got to know all there is to know. Look at my head. It's even getting bigger, right? Love builds up. That alone in, in this passage is enough, uh, enough for me to be reminded that love is what we're after. See, I like Facebook like you like Facebook. It's a necessary evil, I think. And um, I've got an example of how this works. I'm a part of this group called the Muzzleloader, I don't know, Primitive Muzzleloader Hunters or something. I don't know. Anyway, great, great site. Very informative. A lot of information. ton of things going on. The guy who's in charge of it is a, is a rocket scientist in muzzleloaders. And I like that, right? So I like to learn about things. I'm always one of those kind of guys. Like, oh, I want to do the next thing. I want to understand the next part. And... So on this Facebook page, there's all kinds of great information. And this guy is a great writer. So he writes these very eloquent, nice 
uh, informative pieces. They're like newspaper articles, but they're online. And he does a great job with it. But part of the problem with this guy that runs it is that he's a little bit too smart for his own good. You guys know those kind of people? He's a bit too smart. For, he, he, like, he knows everything about everything about everything in, that's included in muzzleloaders. And last week, he decided to post on there, well, you know, there's some of you who don't know like all the things I know. And you're just asking stupid questions, is pretty much what he said. So don't ask questions that are stupid on my site anymore, is really what he said, right? And those, for those of us who don't know as much, it felt like, I don't know if I can be a part of this guy's club anymore. I don't know if I could be on his site, because he knows everything, and I don't feel comfortable asking that question anymore. And he's like, well, just search it. Do your work. And if you don't do the work, you don't know, don't come to my site and ask that question. And I couldn't help, I wanted to, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm a lurker on Facebook. I don't respond to very many things. Uh, not, I just, I'm, I'm a lurk. I like, to, I like to see what's going on. I like to see what's happening. But very rarely will I respond. Mostly because I know there's, there's no winning an argument on Facebook. And so I just, I, I just kind of keep myself out of those things. This one was one of those hard ones. It was like, I wanted just to say, dude, you need to, you know, these people are coming because they enjoy this, not because they want to be schooled. But I didn't. And I couldn't help but recognize that knowledge in this area puffed this guy up. And he wasn't trying to help people love muzzleloaders. He was trying to show how important important he was, that he understood, that he knew everything there was to know. I mean, this guy knows how to make powder and like boggles my mind, you know, like things like crazy things like that. And he forgot why he had a site in the first place, in my opinion. He forgot that he loved muzzleloaders and wanted to share the love with other people. And so he just gets to this point where he just forgets. And he doesn't, he kind of loses sight. Sorry, I'm way behind. Well, here's what I've realized about the world we live in. There's a ton, a ton, and even more of a ton of misinformation that we're exposed to on a daily basis. A ton. I don't care where you go to. I don't care what news media outlet you go to. I don't, care, I, I don't care where you get your information from. There's misinformation intermingled in it. See, because there's really only one truth. And I think that's where we miss the boat, is that we forget about this truth. That this is where the answers are held. Not in a news media, not on a, uh, a web page, not in an area... I've said all along since we started the, the COVID mess that if only I knew the actual truth, right? If only I knew exactly the truth. Well, I do know the truth in here. But that news media, it, it, it challenges me because it's a lot of misinformation. And so what we do is we begin to spout that information. And I got a, I got a sense that this is what's going on in the Corinthian church, if you know much about the Corinthian church, they, they struggled because they were living the old ways with a Christian faith. They were trying to live their 
idol worship. Um, they still had all these uh, traditions that they enjoyed and they were doing. And, and Paul's pretty rough on the Corinthian church. If you read it, I mean, he's pretty hard on them. He's like, you need to do this different. And I, I got to believe that there was a whole bunch of people. How did I do that? That's impressive. Oh, I'm missing one. That's all right. Um, there's a whole bunch of people who are doing their own thing. Who are just doing their own thing and fashioning it to God, to the Christian faith. They're still doing this idol worship. Some are eating the meat. Some are struggling with the meat. Some are not wanting to eat that. And they got in this spot where they've honestly forgotten that they're on the same team. And I'll be honest with you, in this past year, it feels like in the Christian faith that we've forgotten that we're on the same team. We've forgotten that if we wear a mask or we don't wear a mask, if we don't go out or we do go out, if we are more careful or less careful, that somehow that's a different team. That we've segregated ourselves into these little holes. I'm the no-mask people, right? I'm the ma- you, you, might, you might make fun of it, except you both, we all know that we are doing this. And we've forgotten that we're all on the same team. That's what's going on in this passage. Paul's like, some of you guys over here, you won't eat meat. You feel like it's a sacrifice to idols and there's something wrong with it. Okay. And some of you over here, you're eating, you're meatitarians, right? That's all you're eating is the meat, and you could care less. I don't care where this piece of meat came from. It doesn't matter to me, because that's just a piece of metal. It's just an idol. It's just a chunk of wood. But huh, what's wrong with you guys over there? You're weak, because you won't eat the meat that I'm eating. We've forgotten that we're here in the middle on the same team. That I may not fully understand what's going on over here. Right? And what does Paul say in the second, second verse? I love the second verse. He says, those who think they know something, those of you who think you're a know-it-all, you already not yet know as you ought to know. Right? If you think you know it all, you've already missed the boat. That's what he says. Verse 2, we can stop right there because that, to me that's, enough, that's preaching there, right? If you think you already know it all, you've already missed the boat. See, because it's not about idols, right? It's not about the things that we uh, spend our time and energy and money and uh, our, it, it, all the things that we go after, right? This just happens to be, I tried to find a picture of present day idols. I don't really know. I mean, we have just different, I could have put, I always can put money up there, but I think, I like to think outside the box a little bit. We have those things that we chase after, those idols that get in the way. This picture uh, comes from Korea. When we were in Korea, we went to this really cool museum. And when we walked in the first time, if you don't know that, that's the Buddha. Uh, this Buddha was over six feet tall. 
and it's cast, cast. And I, I was come from a foundry, so for me it was amazing that someone would be able to cast this thing. And I think the 12th or 13th century is uh, was this one. And when we went there, it was there was this really odd moment in our life, in my life, because I walk in and I'm like, all right, this is an idol, right? Someone worshipped this idol. Someone. Uh, laid their life down for this idol, and it was the most important thing in their life. And to me, it was a casting, right? To me, it was just this really cool art project that someone was able to accomplish. And it was huge. I mean, we're talking, they put it in there before they put the roof on the place. It was just a mind-boggling, big. And I don't know how much it weighed, I can't remember. But But I came to a real understanding of this passage in that To me, it was just a piece of metal that someone had spent a lot of time and energy, and I appreciated the time and energy put into this piece of art. But for some people, it's a God. It was their God. And Paul's saying, there are lots of people with lots of things that they make their gods, small g, right? There are a lot of those things. And if they sacrifice meat to those Okay, it's meat. For me, it doesn't mean a thing. But for them, it's their conscience. Right? It's on their conscience. It's their struggle. All of us have things that we would call maybe our uh, our conscience or our, our understandings. I used to have a friend. I have a, still have a friend, but I used to have a friend who a pastor who wouldn't marry those who were divorced, and that was a, a, that was really a challenge for me because I was I was trying like trying to trying to sort all that out right pastor to pastor just trying to understand that, and it really came down to this understanding is that's just where he landed. That's where he looked at scripture and he landed. And he and I had a lot of great conversations about the who's, the where's, the why's, and you know how, and how does God give grace, and where are we giving grace in, uh, in the midst of life, and how does that work out? And um, he had never been divorced, and that probably plays a part in it too for him, uh, understanding you know that um, there are issues in life, and so for him it was a big deal. For me, I just understood, I understand the scripture differently. But I had to come to the point where I wasn't going to tell him that he had, you know, that he was wrong in what he was deciding. And he wasn't going to tell me I was wrong in what I was deciding. That we would give each other some grace, some room, some, some space for God to work. Right? There's a parable in Luke 18. I don't know if you know this parable. It's an interesting parable. Interesting parable that Jesus reminds us of how not to act. It says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went to the temple to pray. Sounds like a bad joke, huh? Pharisee and a tax collector. 
Pharisee stood behind, beside himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulteresses, or even like this tax collector. I fast, I fast twice a week, but the tax collector stood at a distance and would not even look up into heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, I have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now we know that parables are sometimes, uh, or they are in, in a lot of ways, exaggerated to help us understand the point, right? We don't know that that story actually happened. But what we do know is that Jesus was using that as a point to remind people that we are all in the same spot. We need God's grace in our lives that we too are like the Pharisee way too often. Saying, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. Sure thankful that I got my ducks in a row. That I got life figured out. That I know what I'm doing. Instead of being like the tax collector, Lord, have mercy. Charles Spurgeon, a long time ago, said the greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit, which makes men look to themselves for salvation. It's love that leads us to grace. It's love that leads us to grace. And I want to leave you with this piece. And I don't know if you saw it in verse 12 and 13. It says, when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Let me read that again. When you sin against them in this way, he's talking about those who are challenging uh, those who are struggling with the, the meat issue. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Just like Donnie said, when you cause another to stumble. When you are a stumbling block, Paul says you are sinning. You could be right as right as the day is long, but you're still sinning. Why? Not because of what you know, because of how you love them or didn't love them. You can be a thousand percent right. You can have every verse figured out. You can beat them with the Bible and still be sinning. See, this story isn't much about meat, is it? That just happens to be the topic of the day. Don't eat meat if it's bothering you that it was sacrificed to idols. Now, last night I decided to better preach this sermon. I should have a nice steak for dinner. And so I did. It was great. And then I had to think about this passage. Because I tend to be a meditarian. I, mean, I bet you didn't know that existed, right? I made that word up. It's a good one. Yeah. I think I made it up. Maybe I didn't. Maybe someone else. <laughs> someone... Carnivore, yeah. 
But that reminds me of dinosaurs, and I don't, I don't, I'd rather be a meditarian. <laughs> so I had a steak last night, and of course, you know what happens when you have a steak, and I have two dogs who are mooches, and of course, they wanted steak too. They seem to like steak. And then I thought about this passage as I was eating my dinner. Am I willing, would I be willing, would I do the necessary things to help another person gain eternity? Because if you look at verse 13, the last verse in this passage, Paul says, if what I eat causes me causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat that meat again so as not to cause them to fail, to fall. Are you willing to be a vegetarian for the rest of your life for the sake of another? Got pretty quiet pretty quick. Because that's what Paul's asking us to think about, right? He's not asking us to become vegetarians. And vegetarian, that was not what the fix is in this problem. But he's asking you, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to change something in your life for someone else in the faith? And if you're a vegetarian, would you be a meditarian? For someone else. Let me make it a little more 2021. Because that's where we got the passage in the first place. And to me, it's where the hard teachings come. If you don't wear a mask and you don't want to wear a mask, are you willing to wear a mask for your Christian brother and sister? Yeah, that's a little bit more challenging, huh? Let me flip it upside down. If you're bent on wearing a mask, would you be willing to take that mask off for a Christian brother or sister? I'm not saying you do. I'm just asking if you would. Because that's what Paul is asking us to do. To begin to put people first and stuff second. It shouldn't be an argument or a problem in the church. And that's what Paul is talking about in this passage. It's hard. Are you willing? See, because we love the good parts of our faith, right? We love our community, and we love that we have eternity, and we love that we have God's blessing. And sometimes we forget that there's a responsibility that comes with that. Well, we don't forget. We just make it down the list a little further. If I were to make it a whole lot more real, I'd ask you this question. What about some real persecution? Church of America, what about some real persecution? See, wearing a mask, it may be inconvenient and uncomfortable, and I hate it. 
those blah, 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 on, 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 right? Let's be honest. It's inconvenient. What about the day that church is illegal? And it's not about what day, it's about where you're at, right? Go to China. Go, go to East Asia. Go to those places where it's not legal to be a Christian. You know what's happened to Christianity in those places? Right? Through the roof. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and it's strong faith. Why? Because it's been tested and challenged. And persecution is just a part of their daily life. If you're going to be a believer in Christ in that place, <laughs> you better be ready. Church, we have lived the blessings. Are we willing to live understanding that there's more than just blessings? There's a responsibility in our faith. Bonhoeffer said uh, that cheap grace is that, right? Cheap. It's not worth anything. It costs. Do you guys know who, uh, who Bonhoeffer was? Bonhoeffer was a pretty interesting guy. He was a German who uh, was a Christian pastor and was being persecuted, got out of Germany and came to America for a time and was safe. He was safe in his faith. Now, I didn't write any of this down, so I'm going totally from memory, but it, the, it just works. The illustration works really well. So Bonhoeffer got out of Germany, was, was spared. They were going to get him. You know, They were after him. We're going to kill him. Gets to America, and he has this understanding, remembers that his people, his church, God's people that he was responsible for are in Germany. And guess what he does? Turns around and goes back and dies for his faith. I want to say it was either mere weeks or months before the end of the war. But he knew he couldn't live with himself in his faith if he didn't go back and do what God had put on his heart. He recognized that his way was coming and getting away and being safe. And that God's way was that he would be a martyr for the faith. I don't know about you, but that's hard teaching. It's hard for me to fathom. And yet I know this. Whatever God gives us and puts in our path, he will give us the strength to do. And so church, I encourage you to continue Continue to pray that God would continue to lead us in the direction that we need to go. And I'll implore you as believers in Christ to give that grace like you've never given it before. We're on the same team. Because we need to get it together in order to fight the fight. Let's do it God's way. Let's pray.
Lord God, we know that as we come to you today that these are hard teachings because they make us look at where we are and how we respond and how we react. We're also reminded that our sacrifices are small compared to your sacrifice. You sent your son, Jesus, to this earth with one goal in mind. That he would be that lamb that would take away the sin of the world. You knew all, all along that your child would be given up for the betterment of us, for our eternity. And as a father, I don't know where that comes from, how you get the fortitude to do something like so heavy. And yet you did it because you cared for me. Because you loved me enough that you knew that there was no other way around this, that I wouldn't get eternity without the sacrifice of Jesus. And so you made a way. And all that you ask in return is my allegiance, my love. Lord God, give us the strength to be the followers you have called us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.